0: Trainingport.net presents Business Aviation Training Report. Hello and welcome to the Business Aviation Training Report, a monthly survey of events in the business aviation world. I'm your host, Brent Fishlock. This podcast is produced by the leader in online training for business aviation, Trainingport.net. We link the business aviation news of the day with the training needs of business operators, management, their support staff, maintainers, and pilots. We want to discuss topics that are important to business aviation professionals. So please send us your questions, comments, and suggestions at podcast at trainingport.net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. On July 1st, 2015, pilots landing at Phoenix Deer Valley Airport reported being targeted with a green laser. The Phoenix police set up a sting by sending a police helicopter to fly a pattern similar to an aircraft on approach. The helicopter drew laser fire from a 25-year-old male suspect. Police officers located and arrested the suspect and charged him with four counts of endangerment, two for the police helicopter occupants and two for the pilots of a fixed-wing aircraft. The police pilots reported having headaches and seeing spots due to the laser exposure. At Canadian Forces Base Greenwood in Nova Scotia, a Canadian Armed Forces C-130 Hercules, four-engine turboprop aircraft, was taxiing for departure when a laser was aimed into the cockpit. The crew decided not to operate the flight. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police initiated a search, but were unsuccessful in locating a suspect. Just a few months ago, on May 1st, 2019, A 37-year-old Columbus, Ohio man was sentenced to 30 days in jail and given one year of probation for aiming a laser at a Southwest Airlines Boeing 737 with 61 passengers on board. The suspect also aimed a green laser at a police helicopter during the same night. He was indicted on four counts of interfering with the operation of an aircraft and pleaded guilty. He had purchased the laser for $20 and aimed it at the aircraft to see how far it would go. He called it, quote, a bonehead mistake. In addition to the jail time and probation, the suspect is required to make a public service announcement telling people not to aim lasers at aircraft. I've experienced two laser strikes, one in Toronto and one in Mexico, north of Zawantaneo. Each time the laser struck the aircraft, but not us. In Toronto, the laser hit the ceiling of the cockpit. The controller in Toronto notified aircraft behind us and police met us after landing. This podcast will dive into the laser strike or sometimes called a laser illumination occurrence. I will discuss some background history, prevention measures, what to do if you're hit and what to do after. Handheld lasers have become commonplace due to their relative low cost and some users don't fully understand their abilities to project light at great distances. Much of this podcast is taken from the FAA document titled Laser Hazards in Navigable Airspace which is written in a format similar to my podcast, which is question and answer oriented. The word laser is an acronym for Light Amplification by Stimulated Emission of Radiation. A laser itself is defined as a device that produces an intense directional coherent beam of visible or invisible light. Reports of illumination events have increased steadily over the past few years. This increase may be due to heightened awareness of the problem by flight crew members, The introduction of an authorized reporting process, and the increased availability of high output handheld laser devices. Has an aircraft ever crashed due to a laser strike? No accidents have been attributed to the illumination of crew members by lasers. Due to the debilitating effects of a laser strike, the potential does exist. Therefore, regulators are trying to educate the public. FAA studies have generated the following statistics. Almost 70% of all laser incidents have occurred when the aircraft is between 2,000 and 10,000 feet above ground level. 51% occur from August to December or in the last five months of the year. Sunday is the most common day of the week for an aircraft to be illuminated, followed by Friday and Saturday. 70 percent of the laser events occur between 7 and 11 pm. Reports indicate that over 90 percent of all aircraft illuminations are green in color followed by red with the remainder being other colors or combinations of colors. So what can happen as a result of a laser strike? From an operational point of view, laser radiation can distract a pilot and cause temporary impairment. Physiological effects include an increased sensitivity to light, Headaches, eye pain, irritation, and an inability to focus. In rare instances, physiological effects can last for a few days but usually disappear after a few minutes or hours. Visual effects could include flash blindness or afterimage, which can linger for several minutes or even a few hours. Permanent eye damage is unlikely due to many factors including the fact that the majority of incidents lasts for seconds and exposure time is limited by the eye's blink response. Also, the distance between the laser itself and the flight crew member can be very far. Furthermore, as a laser travels through the atmosphere, its radiant energy dissipates. This is called atmospheric attenuation. The FAA conducted trials in a flight simulator and what they found is that adverse visual effects from laser exposure are especially debilitating when the eyes are adapted to the low light of a cockpit at night. Think of the situation where you are driving a car down a dark country road and an oncoming car does not turn off their high beam headlights. Recovery of your eyesight takes a few seconds and could take minutes. Brief exposure to laser light can result in startle, distraction, and or disorientation. More serious visual impairments could include glare, flash blindness, afterimages, and in rare cases, ocular injury. The FAA reports that the three most commonly reported physiological effects associated with laser exposure are glare, flash blindness, and afterimage. Glare is the obscuration of an object in a person's field of vision due to a bright light source located near the same line of sight. Say you're looking at the approach lighting, and you are struck by a laser that originates from that same area, you will have difficulty reacquiring the approach lighting. Flash blindness is a visual interference effect which blocks the area of the eye that was exposed. It can persist after the source of illumination has stopped. This is similar to looking at a camera flash. After image is a reverse contrast shadow image left in the visual field after an exposure to a bright light. If you look at the sun and then look away, The image of the sun can be still seen in your vision. This can be distracting and may persist for several minutes. Okay, aviation professionals, let's change gears for a moment. In the news is a segment of the podcast where I talk about other happenings in aviation. ADS-B will be a requirement in the U.S. in most controlled airspace beginning January 1st, 2020. Australia requires ADS-B for operating at or above flight level 290. In Hong Kong, ADS-B is required for all operations at or above 290 on certain airways. In Europe, ADS-B will be required after June 7, 2020 for aircraft over 5,700 kilograms and flying faster than 250 knots and on an IFR flight plan. There will be some exemptions for older aircraft in Europe. Mexico has ADS-B rules starting January 1, 2020 as well. Like I said, in the US, your aircraft must be fitted and your crews should also be trained. Depending on your regulator, training requirements may include operating procedures, MEL procedures, ADS-B specific phraseology, system description, limitations, flight planning procedures and codes, use of ADS-B during emergency procedures, data source errors, this could be a position error due to a GPS failure, incident reporting procedures, CRM and human machine interface considerations, and dependencies of other systems such as GPS and flight management systems, and the consequences of their failures on the ADSB system. I will talk more about ADSB in a future podcast. Trainingport.net, who produces this podcast, has online ADSB training available. You can go to their website at www.trainingport.net for more information. Okay, back to LaserStrike. What about rotary operations? FAA researchers have shown that 70% of helicopter exposures were within 2,000 feet of the ground versus only 21% for fixed-wing aircraft. Therefore, the rotary pilot is generally closer to the laser suspect and therefore more at risk for negative physiological effects. So what can be done? After the fact, you can complete a laser beam exposure questionnaire if you are in the U.S. or in Canada, the airport may ask a police officer to attend the aircraft after landing. Whatever the procedure, make sure you report it. If you believe there has been injury to the eye, then remove yourself from duty and get an examination performed by an eye doctor. Symptoms can include blurred vision, afterimages, double vision, headaches, tearing, photosensitivity, and others. Some pilots have reported a burning sensation in the eye. When is a laser exposure most dangerous? As you might expect, the laser is most dangerous to the eye when it strikes the pupil in the direction where you are looking at that time so the laser goes directly into your eye. Also, the danger level is much higher when the eye is focused on an object far away. This is the perfect setup for a pilot or passenger to be affected. What is an effective mitigation strategy? The Australian and American regulators recommend the following steps to minimize the effects of a laser strike. The steps in brief are anticipate, aviate, navigate, communicate, illuminate, which refers to cockpit lighting, Delegate, attenuate, do not exacerbate, which means avoid rubbing your eyes. And finally, evaluate. If symptoms persist, see an eye doctor. So let's talk a little bit about each. Anticipate. When operating in a known or suspected laser environment, the pilot monitoring should be prepared to take control of the aircraft. Single pilot operators should be extra vigilant. If your operation has an SOP, then even better such as the call laser. Each pilot should look down or away at this time to minimize exposure time. Okay, next step, aviate. Check your aircraft configuration, and if available, consider engaging the autopilot to maintain the established flight path. Next, navigate. Use the fuselage of the aircraft to block the laser beam by climbing or turning away if possible. Communicate. Inform ATC of the situation. Include location and direction of the beam, your present location and altitude. You could squawk a dent, which would provide your immediate location to ATC. Illuminate. Turn up the cockpit lights to minimize any further illumination effects. Delegate. If another crew member has avoided exposure, considering transferring control to the unexposed crew member. Attenuate. Shield your eyes when possible, using your hand, a clipboard, a visor. Do not look directly at the laser beam and avoid drawing other crew members' attention to the beam. Next, do not exacerbate. Avoid rubbing your eyes and possibly creating further injury. Finally, evaluate. If any visual symptoms persist after landing, get an examination by an eye doctor. So, is there anything we can do as an industry? I live in a small mountain town in British Columbia, and the airport is on the edge of town. The laser free area, according to the Transport Canada website, covers the entire town, so outdoor laser usage is not allowed in my town at all. Residents may not be aware of this. How would they learn this fact? It's easily found on the web. However, would people think to look for that information after purchasing a laser? The FAA suggests that industry can educate the public regarding the risks of lasers to aviation safety, encourage the reporting of malicious behavior, restrict the sale of certain laser devices to the general public, encourage manufacturers to attach warning labels on laser devices that address aviation concerns perform studies on the use of laser eye protection as an option in the aviation environment, and investigate the value of deploying laser detection and recording systems on civilian aircraft. Okay, so the FAA suggests investigating and studying laser-related issues. Is there anyone researching this stuff? The U.S. Coast Guard has had a few illumination occurrences, and they are greatly affected by this, as the time it takes to dispatch a second aircraft and a second crew is considerable. Their research project looked at a flexible optical filter that is reflective of lasers only and has just a slight tint, so it doesn't interfere with the pilot's visibility. The material can be applied to any transparent surface, such as a cockpit windshield. The material is designed to deflect laser beams and prevent them from reaching inside the cockpit. There is laser protection on the market, however, according to the Coast Guard, it is not viable for use by the Coast Guard pilots because it blocks out too much light. Coast Guard pilots can be operating in very low light conditions. Commercial and general aviation pilots may be better suited to laser eye protection that can be worn. As with most things in aviation, have a plan. Know what to do when your aircraft is illuminated by a laser. If your operation has a procedure, then great, follow it. Always report the occurrence to ATC or other aircraft when safe to do so, and always report to the appropriate authorities after landing. Thanks for listening and have a great day. That's our podcast for today. Podcast notes will be posted on our blog at trainingport.net slash podcast. We aim to discuss topics that are relevant to business aviation professionals, and we would love to hear your suggestions for future podcasts. You can email us at podcast@trainingport.net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. This podcast is brought to you by TrainingPort.net, leader in online business aviation training. I'm your host, Brent Fishlock. Have a great day and thank you for listening to Business Aviation Training Report. For more information on each episode, visit us at www.trainingport.net slash podcast. TrainingPort.net, helping business aviation professionals excel.